right, here we are. Hello. Here we are, back in the old studio. <laughs> it was so funny. I talked um, at my new job in a British accent, and my manager looked at me. He's like, you do accents? <laughs> I said, I said, no, sir. I only do British, you, you, <laughs> British you <do> accents. <laughs> it sounds like your boss does accents. Oh, oh, Sean is cool. Sean's, like, really funny, but I've cracked so many jokes, and the way that he just, like, looks at me sometimes, I'm like, he doesn't think I'm that funny, and that's okay. Um, but it was funny, because I was like, oh, yeah, look at that. And then he was like, you do accents. <laughs> and he was so serious. I couldn't, I was like, dude, it's not even eight o'clock in the morning yeah, if we're having this conversation. That I do. I'm a part-time <laughs> yeah. accent. Yeah, it's like sometimes I think in Spanish and sometimes I just say British words and I don't know how to stop. So. Yeah, normally, and sometimes Russian. Russian. Oh gosh, Russian, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, thinking about our little, uh, when we were playing Dukrat and Telluride that one year and how I like woke up as speaking like in a Russian accent and you were like, Kelly, you're still doing the accent. I'm like, you're still doing it. Yeah, but then it's hard because I'll I'll tell people that I'll tell people that we like speak an accent sometimes, mm-hmm. and then they're like, well, we'll do it. Like speak, like do an accent right now. And it's like, no, I can't. A bee of sweat starts rolling yeah. down. <laughs> like I can't just do it off the cuff. Like, I, like right now, I'm just gonna need you to be like focused on me at all times. So that <laughs> yeah. you can hear it. You'll catch one eventually <laughs> if you hang out with me long enough. But yeah. you can't you can't ask for it to happen. When it I get comfortable with you, that's when <laughs> it all comes out. <laughs> Um, we are talking about a uh, a British entity today. Oh shit! No way! Really? <laughs> we are. Wow. Um, I think it's only appropriate. I like how probably... can wait? Can I just preface the setting real quick? Uh-huh. <laughs> I already know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. And you positioned your computer away from me. Um, and I only know this because of our little brief conversation we had yesterday. Well, here's what I was just about to say. I was like, this is so predictable of me because this is all I've been talking about for the last three days. <laughs> Yeah. Well, two days. Has it only been two days? Only been two days. It's only been two days. Feels like three, but um, dude, it feels like one. Yeah, I wanted me. it to be as much as a surprise as I can, but yeah, fuck it. I guess if you know, well, I, I briefly know. saw it, and then I was like, oh, duh. Of course, she would talk about this today. Of course. Anyways, we're talking about in honor of their new album that was came out yesterday. We're talking about the wonderfully annoyingly indie band All J. Alt J. Do you guys know that Alt J? Do you guys? Do you guys? guys, You're right there. (laughs) Oh man. Do you know that that Alt J is the keyboard symbol for the Delta sign? I think I remember looking that up in high school. Yeah, Delta sign. And being like, of course they would do some shit like this. Which is so annoyingly indie again. But so on brand. Right. But if I didn't love them, like I would be so annoyed by them. Mm -hmm. Because I do understand it's like. As indie as a band can get, that's all J. Because, I I mean, and I'm not even, I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't go to say that indie is my favorite genre of music either. But maybe it's just because that gets a bad rep, or I don't, I don't know. Well, of course, you, like, people ask you, like, what kind of music do you listen to? And you say, like, indie rock, or yeah. bubblegum bubble pop, or whatever, like, 
bedroom pop or whatever. Because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like Wallace falls into that, right? And so it's funny you say that, and they're like, oh, oh. you're indie? Yeah. Really? Like, no. Yeah, shut the, shut, shut up! <laughs> Let me like what I like. But I will say that, like, sometimes people ask me, like, what's your favorite band? And I'll panic, and I'll say all J. Or I'll say Glass <laughs> Animals, you know? Something. But there's a reason why you're saying those. Sure, people, right? they, they do come to mind first. They are some, a couple of the bands that I feel like there aren't, there isn't a song that I wouldn't listen to mm-hmm. or I wouldn't enjoy listening to. So this is Alt J's fourth album. Okay. I think. Right? There's an awesome wave of 2012. So this is a decade this comes a decade after their debut album. Which An Awesome Wave was their debut album. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I thought maybe it was like a second. No, that is their that's they just came right out the gate. Fake fan, right? Fake <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Whoops. Um yeah they an awesome wave, I really don't think anything can beat. I mean, I know that I love this new one, too, but there's just something about a band's debut album that I feel like is so... It just tells you who they are as an artist, and yeah. then they don't really get past that. They just change. I think you, you know peak I mean? at some point. Yeah. Or, yeah, you have to, you're constantly changing with the times. Because I, I was just going to say, like, I know so many bands that I only really like a lot of songs that come off of one specific album, like uh-huh. Glass Animals, How to Be a Human. I specifically uh-huh. like Sound of Music by um, Alabama Shakes and, uh-huh. like, Riot by Paramore. Like, there's these albums that you can't be too consistent because if you're consistent, it gets boring. Sound and Color by Alabama Shakes? Yeah. I think you said Sound of Music. I might have. Oh, <laughs> no. <of> musical. <laughs> Sound of, maybe that's why I had to because I was like, <laughs> Sound of Music, that album by, by the oh, Von Trapp God. family. Oh, like, Trapp. <laughs> that's her best album. I am 16. Going on No, you 17. are 16. I am 24 going on 20. Oh, that's fucking crazy. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, yeah, let me just pull up their discography real quick. Um... <laughs> that is like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh no. It really did. Oh yeah, I'm rubbing my tummy and I'm hoping that I have <laughs> honey somewhere. Mm, where's the honey? Okay. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, their first album was an awesome wave, which I really don't think like it can get better. Than you know that, what I really don't that. like though? Sure. Is the title of it. <laughs> it's an, an awesome, awesome wave. wave. Yeah. Awesome wave. Awesome man. Awesome is just not I think Awesome had a different kind of weight back in 2012. Had a different wave back in 2012. Weight? (laughs) Had a different weight. Yeah, Yeah. I guess it does. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're all saying Awesome at the time, which is kind of cool because it is, I mean, albums are like time capsules Mm -hmm. of that time, not only that time period, but also like the time period that the band was currently in. And now that I'm looking at this, I should have, okay, so then the second album is um, This Is All Yours Mm -hmm. in 2014. And now that I'm looking at this, I really should have listened to this album commentary Ooh. before talking about this. That's okay. Because that could have been, that could have been, that's a- It could have been helpful, but also it could have uh, shaped your first perspective on it. Sure. So I guess, you know, if you're interested in hearing from the band themselves uh, about that specific album, just go listen to that al- uh, album commentary. I'm, um, it's unfortunate that that's the only album that they do that for, because... It's always the album that you don't want it for. Yeah. Because I do. I love This Is All Yours, but it is a very different 
We'll talk about it. We'll talk yeah. about the, the vibes. We'll jump in. The next one is um, Relaxer in 2017. Oh, yeah. And then it's Reductor, Reduxer mm-hmm. in 2018. So I'm sorry, this is the fifth album then. Um, but the Reduxer the Relaxer... album doesn't really count because it's like... Yeah, I was going to say... Different versions of the Relaxer album. Yeah. You know? They kind of came out around the same... I think a like year almost apart. A, they're your part. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Your part. I mean, who knows? It I guess it been, felt really close together for some reason. Well, it could have been the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. We, oh, could, we could look that up. But um, not too important. Yeah, and then it came out. They came out with the dream. So five years after their last album that they just put out. Damn. They put out the dream. So it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I went to an All J concert after. I guess it would have been before the Relaxer album. It was in 2017. But they were still doing This Is All Your songs. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy that they were still touring songs from three years ago. Now that I think about it. Well, I think also, too, when you go to a concert, they recognize that, yeah, we are on this tour for this album, but you're not only here to see or hear this kind of music. Like, if we can play right. certain songs that you know that you're going to sing with us, like, we're going to play it and put it on part of the uh, set list. But, I mean, that was, uh, that was one of, like, my favorite concerts I've ever been to. It was one of, it was the first time that I had sat anywhere near the stage and at Red Rocks, so that was a a good experience, because every time before then, it was just, you know, way back in the, in the nosebleeds, Mm -hmm. um, and so that was in and of itself. Okay, so... Relaxer was released on March 7th, 2017. Okay. Um, and Reduxer was released on September 28th, 2018. So, like, a year and a half yeah. later. It's actually not very close together. Yeah. I think because at that time, after this, what did you say, that second album was, This Is All Yours, after that album came out, I think I kind of was like... I like these two other albums, and then what the music that they're putting out right now is not necessarily something that I, like, am ready to sit down and really listen yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Well, their Relaxer album is very, very different. Um, the Reduxer, <laughs> on the allmusic.com, that's where I just got the release date from, it says the Reduxer, Reduxer genre is pop rock styles, alternative indie rock, left field rap, indie rock submit corrections album. <laughs> Like, all of these things. That's like, let it me just, just take going. every genre that exists and put it in one hyphened s- sentence. It's just, yeah. So, that one's all very strange. They really do, um, they, they really do kind of mix it up on that album because they get a lot of, every single song they have another band or artist come in mm-hmm. and, like, do a spin-off version of one of their relaxer songs. So, that just kind of lends itself to be different. Um, well, to be multi-genred. Stuff. Right. Because they they do reach out to a lot of other genre artists. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I, I guess I'd like to maybe start with their newest album and then work backwards and talk about some of their older stuff. Okay. Um, so starting with Bane, um, this was the one that you had said was one of your favorites, either Bane or Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. And... I think they just do a great job of, like, starting it off with that, like, um, I don't know, 
just a voice, not singing, just like a voice that almost sounds yeah. radioed or whatever. And then, you know, the sound of like opening the can, which is just so like all J in and of itself. Yeah, and very much like ASMR. Yeah. This song, the, this whole album is very much like you're in a quiet room. Mm-hmm. Take, because a lot, I think a lot of albums these days are afraid to take advantage of like quietness mm-hmm. and ambientness. And they're all about, like, well, let's, how much, how many other layers can we add to this song? How many other layers can we add to this album? And it's just all noise, where this one's, like, I'm going to be very smart about what noise I'm going to make you hear, you know? Right. Um, they do, they are very good at that. Joe Newman, especially, just, like, melodically, um, yeah. how he could put music together. And then also, in this in this album specifically, I think lyrically, um, a lot of his lyrics before, they're just, they're very known for being like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing that popped in my mind when you were talking about that. Yeah, and Joe Newman himself has even said, like, me listening back to um, An Awesome Wave, I feel like I sound really annoying. Like, he said that. He said that, he said that his voice is annoying to him in that album. Um, and he just has to, he's like, well, I've, I've kind of come to terms with it and knowing that that's how we started off and that's what gave us our rise and people still like that. And, right. you know, as long as other people are enjoying it, then that's fine. But I personally like don't even really like listening to myself in that album because yeah. I just feel like it was really strained and all of that. But, you know, besides how he sings it, which is just very unique and, um, you know, kind of off-putting in and of itself he the lyrics that they write are really hard to decipher yeah you know sometimes you can listen to a song and you're like you can hear every single word that the artist is saying and then you're able to kind of apply it to your own life or you're able to kind of like make your own interpretation yeah but with all j you really have to kind of make the effort to go in look like look up the lyrics read the lyrics and even reading the lyrics right off the bat there it's not an obvious there's not an obvious meeting that you can just like get from it. You have to really, I have to kind of rely on, you know, the commentary that people add to the genius lyrics, which is there's very limited amount right now because it just came out. Right. Um, because they, the way that they write, it's like poetry that is just so, I don't know, really mysterious and like indiscernible almost. So, well, and I think that their whole aesthetic too is coming off as like, we, are really smart about our word choice and uh-huh. we're smart about what we're giving you because there is a specific meaning or like even if there is a specific meaning it's definitely something that you can still take up for interpretation yeah but it's almost like you can think whatever you want but it is this way if you really think about it you know mm-hmm. well i'd like to read the genus an- annotation for bane um i'm not sure who wrote it uh becky escalator Thanks, Becky Escalator, for writing this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Much better than I could ever do. It says, Bane is an intense, moody trip featuring a classical choir chanting about selling one's soul and quoting Jesus during his execution. Naturally, its subject matter is a soft drink. Um, It gets a little more complicated than that. Examining examining childhood ignorance, um, greed, and the propensity for violence, but the comedic juxtaposition is hard to ignore. With this, all J set the tone for the dream, a bold, bizarre examination of human experiences ranging from the mundane juvenile to the darkest depths of violence and grief. Wow. Which is, like, so totally 
encompassing of every feeling and mood. It's almost like you need to read the description and then listen to the album or specific songs to then being like, oh shit, like this is appreciated. This makes more sense to me than just thinking it's, uh, you know, they're taking all kinds of different you know, things and trying to mesh a song together. Right. With Bane especially, it is, like, it sounds very Mod Podge. Yeah. Like, I don't know where to listen to, like, what, like, it sounds like four different songs mashed together, and it is. That is, um, exactly what Gus Unger Hamilton says. He's one of the band's members. It says it's a microcosm of the whole album, and that it's sort of three tracks in one. It's got very catchy riffs, it's got deep, dark, musical, experimental sections, it's got a big chorus, it's got the whole swimming pool thing, which is the song setting. Yeah. It just felt like a meal in itself. Yeah. So... And that's tasty! Tasty! Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Honey the Pooh. My god. Honey, honey. the Pooh? <laughs> oh no, I messed it up! Oh we no! We left off the punchline! What was it? <laughs> I always do that. That is definitely a me thing where... I'll, like, say something, and I'll fuck it up just a little bit, where it's, like, now... Could have been so good. I'm the one... I shat on myself, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. I wish... Kelly and I had talked about this, of, like, how are we going to talk about music, because it's something that both of us, like, are really passionate about and love to talk about together, yeah, yeah. without playing the music itself on the podcast because we can't for copyright reasons. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So you all just need to like take it amongst yourselves and you know. Just like give yourself some time. I mean like because I used to think listening to whole albums were such like what time consuming. Uh Really most albums are only 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and that's like a drive from Mm -hmm. you know home to work or work to home and just like dedicating that time to doing it like is actually not too much time. Yeah. Um, and I personally, if there's an album that comes out, I can't listen to just songs sporadically. I need to start from the beginning and go through in order because there's a reason yeah. why artists put the songs in that order. I was just going to say that, yeah. Right. And it reminds me too, like, that whole idea of, like, well, you know, when people make playlists or when people come out with albums... The songs are on there for a specific reason, especially when the whole album is supposed to be told, like, in a story, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, or you give a playlist to somebody and it's supposed to, you know, be a story of how you feel or how that person makes you feel or, like, why that you chose that music for that person. And it reminds me of High Fidelity, specifically the one with Zoe Kravitz in it, that's, like, the TV show on Hulu. Mm -hmm. And she talks about, like, the whole, you know, the, the first song is supposed to reel you in. It's supposed to make you feel something. And then the second song is supposed to, like, there's... There's rules to this. Right. Yeah. Even and though it, even though music is subjective, there are rules to certain things. And artists, know, like, artists have that in mind when they're creating that for the listener. And right. so I personally, any kind of content, any kind of media, I want to digest it in the way that the creator intended me to. Right. And so um, I think it's really important to, to go with that. Because otherwise, if you don't start with Bane, you don't get this, like popping open the can of Coke to start right. off this whole album. Yeah. And then ending with um, Powder and this kind of more uplifting message at the end of a very deep, dark, grieving album. So right. moving on from Bane... It's supposed um, to be a journey. Exactly. Moving on straight from Bane, you go straight into You and Me, which is their probably one out of 
two or three of their more uplifting songs. I on believe this album. it also was the first one that came out. It was. This they was the first, first. Yeah, this was the first song that they had written. So they said it only made sense for them to release this first. Mm-hmm. They actually released this back in September of 2021. So. I remember listening to it. Yeah, when it came out. I remember we texted each other. And yeah, we were like, dude, uh-huh. new LJ song. Uh huh. Yeah, and they even they've come out with a music video since, um, which is a really great video they do a really good job of making their music videos more just like short sorts short stories yeah um you can even see that in what's uh tessellate right yeah, how yeah, the whole yeah. thing's like backwards yeah um according to the alt j newsletter to fans it says it was the first track we worked on and recorded for our new album the dream so it felt right to be the one we share with you first it's quite simply a song about good times in the summer sun too good perhaps in the video we've taken this idea and translated it to the skate park um, we documented the day that we sold our souls to reach frightening new heights of skills on the ramp and in the bowls, which is Ooh. just, like, so, like, young, like, juvenile, like, yeah. what they were saying, right? It's, like, they're, I don't know, they're adding this level of intensity and, I don't know, like, really high stakes feelings to, like, really simple juvenile activities where it's, like, we're selling our soul to the, you know, skate park. Or right. I'm addicted and would do anything. I Again, I sold my soul for a sip at school. That's exactly the first lyric to Bane, you know. They're just for a soda. So, right. I don't know. Well, I think it's, I think it's too, now that I'm thinking about this and how you're bringing it up, like, they're taking these big adult themes and and ideas and they're making them very simple mm-hmm. because I think that the, not only are they understanding their audience and where they are now in life because if they're in 2012 majority of like high schoolers middle schoolers were listening to their mm-hmm. music I'm not denying that older people weren't listening to it but at the time I feel like everybody in high school who was like really cool or into music was listening to old J and then now like we are older and we have you know really felt I think some sort of life quote-unquote whatever you want to say and we can relate to this in a reflection to our past. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, and he, he kind of puts that um, into words on when he was in an interview for NPR's All Songs Considered podcast. Um, because although they kind of portray this song at the skate park and they've translated this like fun in the summer sun um, idea into this juvenile day at the skate park, uh, Joe Newman says that lyrically, um, it's more about this one man's drugged up journey at a day festival. Um, the You and Me chorus is in reference to the man and his drugs after his friends have left him. All completely fi- fictitious, I might add. He says that. Um, it's an unusual song because normally I'm like the librarian and archivist for potential song ideas, but this really had been forgotten about by everyone. It was completely buried under the last tour. Um, so he kind of he has the lyrics come from a certain place and then they can also like translate that all of the meaning to that lyrics into other scenarios, which is kind of what we were talking about before with like keeping the lyrics so vague and open-ended that you can kind of apply them to very, very different scenarios. Like being on drugs at a day festival versus like being at the skate park with your friends. Right. Um, moving on quickly to hard drive gold. Um, this is, a, they ha- also was released um, earlier than every other song. Um, it was released on January 5th, and they also have a video out on this one um, in the uh, format of a short story of a girl who is trying to um, 
pole vault. Um, it's way more complicated than that. If I can find, here we go. Um, no, 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 here we go. No, no, no. Anyways, there was something about, I'm going to really mess it up. Uh, here we go. The short tells the story of an athlete who, with the help of her late mother, uses her last four minutes alive to nail a pole vault jump. Oh Which is like, what do you mean, last four minutes alive? I don't right. know. I'm going to really need to, like, kind of deep dive into that because, like, why does she only have four minutes alive? Maybe after the jump she dies. I don't know. Like, what? And she doesn't know it's the last four minutes of her life? I don't know. That's crazy. Like, I don't know. It's just a very niche idea to, like, apply to this song, which is actually about becoming an overnight millionaire by trading cryptocurrency. Like, yeah. totally unrelated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, um, I think that's kind of cool that we can take these ideas or, like, these things that happen in our lives and they seem, like, kind of abstract mm -hmm. and then making it into, like, a song because when you think of, like, people making songs, they're like, oh, it's a love song. Oh, it's a breakup song. Oh, it's, like, you know, about life struggles and about, like, my mother dying or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then, but this, it's, it's these thoughts and these things that happen in daily life, like, all the time. Um, yeah, basically, I mean, all of their songs have that same premise, um, especially on this album. Um, and they also do a really good job of kind of nodding to other artists or nodding to other songs. Um, their song Happier When You're Gone, um, is a song that on the surface it just kind of sounds like almost like a breakup song or somebody coming to terms with the fact that their relationship is ending um but then when you read a, about a little bit behind the lyrics um joan newman says in australia i was reading cormac mccarthy all the pretty horses and fell in love with the whole west texas narrative and the soul searching in that environment i weaved in this narrative where it's the other side of the story from hey joe the Jimi hendrix song in that song, um, Joe goes to go shoot his old lady for cheating on him. That's Ooh. basically the whole premise of that Jimi Hendrix song, which is actually a pretty common theme in blues music, which is Killing interesting. your Wife partner. after, yeah, adultery. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> um, we could definitely dive into that for a, a lot of <laughs> That's a whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> why are the blues artists, why are they obsessed with this idea? Um, and... Instead of Joe going to shoot his old lady, the old lady is saying in this song, I'm tired of your shit, I'm tired of your temper, I'm tired of this domestic hell that I live in. There's a really weird lyrics, uh, lyric in the chorus, it's called The Smell of Burning Cattle Hangs on the Westerly, um, and it's based on an experience he had when um, his dad chose a great time to travel up to Scotland at the turn of the century when the foot and mouth outbreak was happening. Don't know what outbreak that is, I'm going to definitely need to look that up. The foot <laughs> That's another mouth, episode. <laughs> the foot and mouth outbreak, hello, in Scotland? Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like I've heard of it, but I also was like, oh, it's just a it's another disease that we all had to look through. I mean, I guess it had something to do with cattle, like, because we were going through the Northumbria, and there were lines and lines of dead cattle having been burnt. The smell was horrific. Yikes. So they just had to, like, set all these cows on fire? Like, you know, that's crazy, too, because I was watching this episode. So I watched uh, Yellowstone. Sorry, we're going on a little tangent. Yeah, but I, let's do oh, it. Yellowstone was, like, um, like when I had COVID, uh, my mom had gotten my grandmother, like, a, a thing, a box box set of Yellowstone. 
And there's this one episode where somebody poisons a field with clover, and then that makes um, the cows, like, really gassed up, like, really big. And then they, like, slowly start dying. And so then they all died in this field, and they had to burn the whole field with the cows, because the only way you can, number one, get rid of the clover, and number two, get rid of an immense amount of cows that you mm. can't do anything with anyway, because they're all poisoned. Oh. So it was really, it's really interesting you bring that up, because I was like, we, I watched that on a show. Interesting. It's just crazy that they're like, oh, all of these cattle are infected. Time to go set them on fire. You know well, there's, I mean? you can't do anything. I know, yeah. Them, I mean, though, what you else know? are you like, do? You can't drag them out. Which is, but that's a crazy idea. It's like, it sucks that all the, you know, all those animals are, are, are having to go. <laughs> they're just having to go. They're just having to, they're just having to get go. <laughs> um, yeah, it is a disease that uh, affects cloven hoofed animals and caused by the cloven hoofed animals. So literally Correct. what I was talking about. Yes. Holy shit. Boss. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Cloven Hoofed. Cloven Now that's a band, band name. name. Uh-huh. Or an album name for a band. <laughs> um, Cloven or- Hoofed. That's crazy! I <laughs> like it so much. I don't know. It's, it's terrible. Cloven Hoofed. But I like it a lot. That's a, that's a lyric that LJ would use for sure. Oh, Cloven Hoofed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I can actually sing, but I choose not to most of the time. I prefer to to I prefer to sound fucked up. I prefer to (laughs) Speaking of fucked up, um the next the next song is called The Actor. We're all about these transitions today. I can't believe how on point we are. Oh man. At least what part of this is on point. Didn't Anna say her favorite song was the actor? Yeah. Which makes sense because that's it's one of Sag the, energy. That <laughs> no, it totally makes sense because it is one of the more upbeat um, tunes on okay. the tr- on the tracks. Dude, the tunes of tunes. Of the dead cat. <laughs> oh my gosh! I know. Oh, we're and we are talking about tunes. This would have been a tunes off the dead cat episode. It would have, and I would have illegally put the music in the episode too. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> Rip to the dead cat. Um, so. Let me just uh, describe what Alt-J has said in their release email about the actor. Okay. Hollywood, 1982. Another hopeful young movie star arrives in search of the dream, which is the... The American dream. The dream is the title of the album. The dream. Uh, I understand. Yeah. Uh, What follows is a tale of desperation, drugs, and death in LA's most famous hotel. The song feels like an actor. The Cecil? The Cecil! Ah! The Cecil Hotel! <laughs> sorry, sorry, no, sorry. Totally I just looked at that. <laughs> no. We just looked at the sound waves and there's just like a huge spike on that. <laughs> there really, really was. I got, I know, we know so much about the Cecil. Anyway, yeah. keep going, sorry. Well, if you guys want to know about the Cecil, uh, Fresh Off the Dead Cat, we'll just do episodes. a new episode. But honestly, we might as well. Um... So the song feels like an abstract image of an unexperienced actor wanting to re- realize his dream of be- an acting career in L.A. He's facing the brutal business of Hollywood, especially in the famous Chateau Marmont Hotel, where desperation, drugs, and death are everyday stuff. Um, and it's basically, they get, basically get all of this inspiration from the true story of John Bellucci. And okay. like how he, Gus Unger Hamilton via Apple Music says, the actor is kind of an imagined retelling of John Belushi's death at Chateau Marmont. Well, actually, it's at Chateau Marmont, not the Cecil. What? You're telling what? me? What? Yeah. <laughs> I've never even heard of this place. The Chateau Marmont. It's supposed to be the most famous. <laughs> I was going to be like, eat ass, but your parents are. <laughs> 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 
so you just say it anyways. <laughs> I was gonna yell it out loud. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought that the I do think that the Cecil is more well haunted known. and well known for its deaths, but whatever. That's a personal opinion, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's my only opinion. Uh, <laughs> um so that's the actor, uh, yeah, that's basically Death, it, you know. Murder I just sex. <laughs> Isn't that how we opened up that episode with the Cecil? Is it? I'm pretty sure. That's hilarious. Or that's the description I wrote for it. Death, murder, and sex. Not just, not just death, but murder. <laughs> <laughs> death, murder, a few stabs, <laughs> stabby stabs, and sex and drugs. Um, oh, I feel this is not as good of a tra- transition because we're going like, to be laughing straight into we're gonna the, be saddest, better. The, <laughs> the saddest uh, track on the album is called Get Better. Um, also was released uh, sooner than the rest of the songs. Isn't November that beautiful, 3rd. though, that like getting better is also sad because you're so comfortable in being in a hole? Yeah. But, like, getting better is, like, sad. But, like, great. But, like, melancholy. Almost. Yeah, like, yeah. that kind of type of sad. Yeah, it's bittersweet, you know? Yeah. You know, getting out of your... Yeah. The comfort of, um... Depression. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, this one is especially sad. I cried the first time I listened to it. Um, it's about, uh, losing your partner. Um, and especially... This was a the idea for it at the very beginning, but then um, when the pandemic hit, it gave Joe Newman like an entirely new, um, added meaning to it, a, a deeper kind of more intense meaning to it because now it's he's applied it to losing a partner due to COVID. Um, really, just gut wrenching lyrics. This is one of their their only songs that melodically. It's not very complicated. It's not complex. Um, but lyrically, it's really just, it's really just spoken word poetry, you know, with a, with a tune behind it. Um, he wrote the chorus, um, get better, my darling, I know you will. That's basically what it says over and over again. Um, when his wife was going through period pains, and he just kind of sang it to her, just kind of acapella style, just to try to cheer her up, mm-hmm. um, and then recorded it. And he used that chorus when he came up with this idea of losing your partner in a pandemic. Um, Lots of just heart-wrenching lyrics. Um, For example... I realize what I said before we started diving into this mm -hmm. has no reference to what is actually about. But it, that's the thing. You know, you can, that's what we're talking about is all of these lyrics can be you know, applied to different scenarios, Yeah. you know, and although this is what he is intended it to be about, you know, it, it can be really applied to however you want to interpret it. Um, for example, verse three, uh, happy birthday staff smuggled in a car card I made. It rests under your pillow. When out of ICU, you'll cringe at all the I love yous. The card retired the life of one by row. By row mm. it being a, a ballpoint pen. Um, so there's so many people that signed this card and gave her notes that um, they ran out of the entire pen. And then, um, oh, there's, there's a tons, tons of those kinds of lyrics. There's one where um, it talks about the no flush late at night, where it's like such a small concept of hearing the toilet flush in the middle of the night and knowing, like, it's basically just a 
a signal that your partner's coming back to bed. Mm-hmm. And just the grief that comes with not ever being able to have that tiny sound. Like, it's so simple. But in losing your partner, like, that's one of the things that you miss. Mm-hmm. Just such, like, a small thing to attach yourself to. Yeah. That, I mean, it's just something that I would have never thought of. Um, At least until you're in that position and then you're like, oh yeah, like I don't hear the water running at 6 o'clock in the morning yeah. when you're getting ready for work anymore. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. No flush at night to sound your return. I still pretend you're only out of sight. Um. Yeah, it's just... Ugh. Here's what he says. He says, the, the context... Um, The context of the pandemic lent my words a chilling weight and gave me a new sense of responsibility as a lyricist. Whilst the direct events described are fictional, I believe, or I hope, that it's emotionally the most honest song I've ever written. Moving on to Chicago. Um, (laughs) This one is just short. It has more of a house vibe. Um, You know, they, they kept it named Chicago because they wrote it in Chicago and yeah. they just like they just liked it which is just super simple they were like yeah we just kept it on the album because you know we were all messing around we made it its own song kept it as a house vibe named it Chicago that's about it yep which is kind of refreshing after like all of these really deep I don't know you need that like almost and this is Good not breather. comedic in any way but yeah it's like you need that comedic relief through like something really hard Mm -hmm. To, like, get you through the next steps of whatever else they're going to put on the album, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now moving on to your favorite, uh, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. You're a fan of the opera meets, meets, what did I say last night? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a new fan of the opera. Well, I think it's crazy because, oh, they have, um... (laughs) Almost (laughs) fell over. Just, like, wrecked the basement. But, um, I think what was really crazy is because it it starts off with this, like, very chorus-like um opera like person like mm-hmm. singing Philadelphia and you're kind of like Philadelphia Yeah, yeah, like it's crazy and you're kind of sitting there and you're like, did I just hear that? And then it, it like kind of gets a little housey. It gets mm-hmm. a little Alt J like it still plays around with, you know, empty space and mm-hmm. but it's also got these like hits and it's it was really it's just like it really made me feel very interesting, which mm-hmm. it's just, like really cool when you when you have to, like, stop what you're doing and it's not just listening to music anymore, it's really just, like, what the heck? You, you know? Want, you want to know what it's about? Yeah. Because... Of course I do. What's hilarious is, like, I listened to it, you know, four or five times. I'm sure you listened to it a couple times. Yeah. And it wasn't until I read this that I, like, had any idea that the meaning was anywhere remotely close to this. Mm-hmm. In the last moments of someone who's dying in an alleyway, they're very, very discombobulated and they don't really know what's going on and they're kind of reminiscing, but at the same time... Their heartbeat is slowing down and slowing down, and they finally succumb. That's it. That's the... (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. How do they know? Listen to this. No offense, but how do they know? Um, Have I fallen, or am I falling down the stairwell? Oh, the cadence of the glow, concussive flashes of distant memories. Good God, I feel your hands on me. In the dying of the light, my aggressor runs under the lamps. Morning light, they'll get to see the crime committed on me. Oof. You know, okay, this is going to be crazy, and for some reason, I feel more, like, aware of myself in the past couple of years than I ever have in my entire life, like, okay. my existence. I'm ready for it. Does that make sense? Yes. And so, these movies that I've seen in my past, I can't believe that I never really, like, looked at it and was like, oh, shit, that's what that means, or I can't believe I never noticed that. So, but, like, in Groundhog Day, because Groundhog Day was, like, last week or something, right? Like, the 2nd of February. Sure. And I was watching the movie with 
Bill Murray in it. Yeah. And there's this point where he's going through this day and day, and he follows, like, this homeless man who, like, always asks him for change. And he, he realizes that that's his last day on Earth, and he dies later that night in an alleyway. And, then, and I, th- I find that, like, really crazy because... The homeless man. And he, for, like, maybe five different, like, clips of scenes, he is helping, like, this homeless man, like, giving him a great last meal, really, like, trying to help him take him to the hospital. He still dies at the hospital. Like, it's just crazy to me that because the idea of constantly, like, living the same day and all these other people, regardless of what you do, they're going to have the same effect that they had that day, like, anyway. Mm, No matter what you do. Yeah, Yeah, and that's crazy that you're talking about that because... I feel like a lot of homeless people or people who, I guess homeless people, they die on the streets like every day and we don't know about it and mm-hmm. we don't see it. And it's a very alone experience. It's very like solitude and, you know, it's it's just you and that I can't imagine the loneliness yeah. that comes with something like that. And I think that was interesting that like in Groundhog Day, which is supposed to be like a comedy, yeah, also hints on these these thematic situations and it was really crazy yeah it was like very dark you know i don't know if i've seen groundhog day if i have it's it's a tradition i have to watch it every year yeah Yeah. it's if i if i have seen it it's been a long time but um but i'm finding out that like these movies that i grew up watching i'm watching them now and i'm like noticing certain i'm noticing things now that like before i think i was so clouded over with like the innocence of just being like a child or Mm -hmm. like a teenager and now I've now that I've like maybe experienced things more, seen things more, understand things mm-hmm. a little bit better in like a more of an adult context. It's, yeah. it's just crazy to me. So sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to go on a tangent again, but that was no. But interesting. we love the connections as a whole purpose. I mean, if it was just me reading these lyrics, you know, for forty minutes, it would be a little more, a little bit boring. Yeah. So, um, just this this bridge, and then I'll move on to the next song. Um, it just, I often wonder what it would feel like like you were saying you know how how lonely and cold and um dark of a death it would be to be by yourself in an alleyway outside like spending your final moments um and I often wonder about like what what that feels like like what do you think about and what do you feel like right before you like pass over yeah um it says silk dampened unknown over final thoughts where will I be in two years euphoria breaks over the bow washing up the macabre out to sea to my mother's arms and it's just, like, such a, they do such a beautiful job of, like, mixing this, like, both this sense of beauty and relief with, like, anguish and despair. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It's just beautiful. And the fact that they can do it without explicitly saying so, I just wish I was, like, half as creative. You know what I mean? I think it's really interesting, too, how they're taking a concept that you don't really truly know, <laughs> like, what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um because then they wouldn't be here to explain, like, these lyrics and what they mean. Right. Like, it is such an experience that, like, you could never really tell anybody. Yeah. And I think that that's crazy that they're doing that without making it seem very romanticized in mm-hmm. a way. Because I feel like oh, when we when people talk about, like, the last moments of death, we tend to romanticize it to, like, not only make it not scary mm-hmm. as, or as scary, but also, like, appear very beautiful. But also, like, dying in an alleyway is, like, super dark and right. really crazy, like, sad, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. I think they did a good job of not making it seem, like, desirable. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get that for sure. Um, I have four more songs to go to, and I'm looking at the timestamps. We have been talking about this for a while, so I'm going to kind of speed through these, but I did want to read uh, the 
where the inspiration for Walk a Mile comes okay. um, from. It's their longest song on the album, and it's the most uh, complex song by far um, in terms of melodies. And Joe Newman says, I had some Polish builders that built my studio last year. They were really nice guys and were like, do you like plants? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Do you like weed plants? Yeah, sure. The next day they turned up with a weed plant. They told me how to look after it, and eventually I had the weed. I was smoking a bit with them and was writing this guitar riff that was one line, and then there was loads of different melody variations, and I recorded it all on one voice memo. I was like, I like all of these melody variations, so I just decided it could be a song. So it's very simple lyrically, but very diverse melodically. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so it, it really does. It just says, um, it has the same, I don't know, four or five sentences throughout yeah. the entire thing, and it's a six-minute song. So. Yeah. That's also a difficult thing to do as an artist to have such a simple um, lyrical song for so long without it getting annoying because right. of the way that they can sing it differently every time. That and also like letting the notes and the music breathe, mm-hmm. like the harmonies and the the, the guitar, the, the the synth, you know, like these these elements that make up a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, more lyrics that are just really. I don't know, beautiful. Um, Delta is their shortest song on the album. It's only about 40 seconds or something. You're talking about Delta? Is this a full circle moment here? Yeah, full circle moment. Holy shit. I I, I did think it was interesting that they decided to call it Delta because that is kind of the basis for their entire band and how they name it that. But in this case, they're talking about a Delta, like, um, where a river... Delta Airlines? (laughs) Delta Airlines. (laughs) 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 viewers just uh for the listeners just knowing that Kelly just kept her put her pinky up in the air and did a like little arch like, that was her that was her uh, interpretation of, of what an airplane that was an airplane that's an airplane going through no not delta airlines the delta like um you know where it rips the sea and spreads out into like different is that called a delta that is called a delta whoa sure. yeah. holy um, shit one word means so many things <laughs> uh, i just like this lyric i'm not a praying man but i'll kneel to that that sounds like something Hosier would say. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. Force fields in the Delta. Those are the only things that it says. It just says, force fields in the Delta. I'm not a praying man, but I'll kneel to that. And that just says that over and over again for about a minute. Um, Joe Newman says, we just like the idea of, I'm not a praying man, but I'll kneel to that. Um, for me, the story was this person experiencing this extraterrestrial thing, this bright light descending onto the marshes of the Mississippi Delta or something. They just fall to their knees because it's like a spiritual awakening. Mm. That's what it says. Holy, holy cow. Um, I like how they're taking, like, shit, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> they're like taking, like, little Baltimore. small... <sighs> <laughs> how, anyway, they're taking these moments that are almost, like, really brief moments, mm-hmm. and they're really elaborating that. They're not just taking, like, very generic like holistic moments yeah they're taking like five minute situations that like can change your life kind of things Mm -hmm. or even sometimes like five seconds like just the act of like kneeling down sorry Mm -hmm. there was a microphone shake there um the just the act of like kneeling down and like experiencing just like a a very brief like spiritual euphoric moment Yeah. yeah um losing my mind is one of the, that was one that I thought was, like, the most emotional in terms of 
how they're using sound to, you know, how they're going, like you said, from quiet to loud and um, just how they have these one notes that are just crescendoing and it feels like a love ballad. Um, but really, uh, I'll just read, I'll just read it. Um, it's probably one of the most overt and unapologetic comments on the really dark side of the human condition and what you can see in human behavior that is so far removed from what you know as a civilized person. It's a serial killer who kills young children. It's not very nice, but I suppose I've always been comfortable talking about it because my father was a probation officer and he worked for the Lucy Faithful Foundation, which is connecting all areas of the justice sector and social care and psychiatry into understanding sex offenders so that they can be treated. I was always fascinated by his commitment to keeping people safe by reevaluating how to look after people who are afflicted with these issues. Oh, man. And the whole, so, like, again, it's like, you think this song is one, is about one thing after listening to it, and it's, like, almost the complete opposite. Like, you know, the only thing that could possibly allude to that meaning is it says, um, all I can see is a picture of me on holiday in the late 70s. Drying after swimming, my father calls to me. Sunny disposition at the end of the jetty. Now that picture is displayed with 15 other missing boys. And then other than that, it's really not very apparent that, like, this is not, you know, anything other than just, like, a love song or, you know, a breakup song. But, um, yeah, it, its inspiration is actually about being in the mind of a serial killer. <laughs> Yeah, just well. Not, there's another like example of you listening to the song and thinking it's one thing, and then it having a completely different meaning, right? Or a, a basis of where it came from, you know? Yeah. Um, just to kind of round this off, um, I was going to talk about a lot of the other albums, but I didn't realize how long we could we could, you know, really extend <laughs> this conversation about this one album. Yeah. So, just to finish it up, um. They end the album with the song Powders. Um, it ends the dream on a positive note. Absent are the murders and tragedies that permeate the album. Instead, it's a meet-cute between a boy and a girl. While the song is said to be about teenagers locking eyes at a party, there are references to scent and a skit about selling fragrances. The selling could be a perfume counter, or perhaps that's a metaphor for teenage pheromones? Question mark? <laughs> that's, what, that's what this genius indication is. Question mark? Question mark? Um, but basically, Joe just says, the subject matter is a good distance away from the dark stuff. It's about the spark when you see someone from across the room and you're like, I want to get to know them tonight. It's a nice way to end it. Hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Even in all the shit, there is still good, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they... Decided to put a, a skit in the middle of it. Um, Gus says, the idea for the skit in the middle came from a Malcolm Gladwell podcast. He was talking about musicians forgetting the words to their own songs. They had Are You Lonesome Tonight in it a lot. And in the middle of it, Elvis does this spoken word thing. I felt like this song had the potential to try something like that, particularly due to the themes in it, kind of teenage love in America. Joe went away and worked on this little script, which Tom Green, the drummer, mm -hmm. and his girlfriend acted out in the song. Aww. Yeah, so they decided to end this incredibly dark, tragic, grieving album with this, like, you know, four-minute potential, you know, yeah. potential for a new start, potential for, for love, potential for hope. I think that's also very reflective in, like, life in general, is that, mm -hmm. like, these, these things, I mean, like, every day we see people on the side of the highway, mm -hmm. you know, 
asking for money or for help, and then we see at work someone being completely shitty to another person. Mm -hmm. We see, like, death within our own family. Like, there's these things that happen in our lives, and that even though that feels so, cons like, all-consuming mm -hmm. and uh, into a pit of, you know, depression and despair, it's also, like, there are all these other things that happen to us. Mm -hmm. Like, there is balance. There is that balance, even right. though it feels like there's so many bad things. Because you can sit and count all the bad things and be like, but one thing, one good thing happened, and that weighs out all of those bad things. Yeah. Or at least, even if it doesn't weigh out all of the bad things, it still happens. You right. Know? And you, can still is, you can still rely on that. Yeah. There is that, that, I don't know, multifaceted aspect of life where it's like it's not going to be just all dark, and it's not just going to be all happy. Right. And you can't rely on your life being a certain mood for the for the rest of it right um because it's okay to feel shitty yeah it's okay to feel sad it's okay to feel these feelings because that is part of being a human it's mm -hmm. part of feeling in general and being lucky enough to feel things like that yeah you know but then always coming back to the fact that at some point someday there will be something that makes you feel excited yeah or hopeful yeah yeah. yeah, and well, it's also a very cliche thing for them to do. And when I mean cliche, I don't mean it, like, in a very bad context. So I think people say cliche, they're always like, well, that's really cliche of you. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Being cliche can also be, like... A good thing. Yeah. But it's cliche to put, like, a bow at the end of it. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, tying it all up together and being like, this is good. <laughs> and they could, they could have chose to just keep it dark and, you know, you expect a happy ending and there isn't one and that's a choice that you could make. Um, but, but they did... Especially, I think, in the context of this pandemic and where we've mm -hmm. been as a society um, worldwide for the last two years, I think it was a very specific choice to not end it like that. Yeah. Um, because I think we have enough of that as it is. Yeah. Um, and well, and you need light at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. to keep you going, you need hopefulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there it is. There's the whole album. Um, Such a great album. It is the dream. That's the dream. The dream. Yeah. From all J. I, I'm, I've been really, this has been a long term, long time coming, um, mm -hmm. trying to get a new album out of all J because there, there's only so many times that you can listen to their old stuff. Yeah. And Without being like, <laughs> reminding me of all these memories that happened in high school or yeah. like early yeah. college days. Absolutely. Which is like kind of a crazy thing to say. And now this album is going to remind us of these days. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool. That's like when you when you grow up with with artists that continue to put good music out consistently, even though it takes five years to get an album. Like there are these, like Paramore, for example. Like Riot came out when I was, you know, in my early angsty teen days, you know. And then all her, there are other albums come out, and there's these time points in my life where I, I can stamp it and be like, "That's where I was mentally. That's who I was." Okay, here I am again. Uh, okay, I was in California when this other album came out, and I listened to it the whole time I was there. Like there's these things, and I think that's really cool. Because yeah. it's not only a timestamp for them, but it's a timestamp for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I would um, recommend to read the article, The Stories Behind All Your Favorite All J Tracks by Festival Sherpa. Um, it does have a lot of their other more popular songs. Um, I guess six is not that much, but it's all of their most popular songs, and um, it kind of has a really brief explanation for where they come from, and all of them are just as interesting, if not more. So, um, props, hats off to Alt J, and thank you know, thanks yeah. for being good noisemakers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, I liked that. 
That's what he said. <laughs> Stole it from you. Sorry. Sorry, bud. Sorry, bud. But, uh, <laughs> imitation's the best flattery, so. No, no, no. no. Ah! Goodbye. <laughs> okay, well, um, that was really cool you brought that up, because I'm, it's, it's inspiring to know, because, like, I, w- I felt like I was such in a pigeonhole mm. with how to, like, explain music on the podcast without playing music. Sure. And I think this was, like, a good... Yeah, like breakdown of albums. Yeah, doing an analysis of songs. Mm-hmm. Or doing a just like what does the artist say about the song that you don't hear in the song? Yeah. Right. Uh huh. Right. I, I, so, um, we're about gonna record another episode here. We are. Um, because we missed a week last week. So, we did. Um, so I was being a little pansy about <laughs> driving out here. <laughs> I also had things I needed to go do, but we I could have fit it in. We have things we need to do. I'm a human being. <laughs> How to be a human being by Jocelyn Moore. Full circle. <laughs> Cool. Cool. <laughs> cool beans, my dude. All right, all right, all right. All right, uh, what's that Until thing? next time, uh-huh. all, all corners covered. Oh, there it is. That's so good. <laughs> I want you to say it every time, okay? Okay. Okay. All right. Deal. All right, bye. bye.